BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Mannix from The Vertical, and welcome to The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix, where I check in with some of the top players, coaches, and analysts covering the NBA. This week, former NBA forward Brian Scalabrini drops by. I asked Scal how he sees all-star forward Al Horford fitting in with the Boston Celtics. He's even exceeded my expectations. I, it's just, everyone wants to go small now, but not everyone can protect the rim and rebound the ball, but with Al Horford, you can do it. And what kind of immediate impact his former coach, Tom Thibodeau, will have on the up-and-coming Minnesota Timberwolves? So I think that it's going to be a big time learning process, but I think that process is going to take, you know, maybe like a month and a half. Like Zach Levine has a really unbelievable year. They'll probably make the playoffs. All that and more coming up next on the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back. Another episode of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix coming to you live from Boston. We are just finishing up another engaging preseason game <laughs> when will it end chris when Celtics, will it end nets uh joined by the verticals comcast Sportsnet. what are any other jobs you've got now scal it's brian uh, scalabrini yeah just being scal it's not easy just scal being scal it's not easy you, serious satellite radio in the morning from seven to ten there we go there we go we were talking on the way up here about the need to decrease the number of oh. preseason games and, and tonight was kind of 
further evidence of that. Like you can get your fill of the James Young, RJ Hunter position battle in like one quarter. Yeah, that's it. On the and you know what? It just doesn't make any sense to me. All the fight about the, you know, four no no four games in five nights. Let's, let's chill out on the back to backs. Well, if you can somehow in the month of October get you know, 10 games, right? You just stretch, stretch things out. Two games a week, and, you know, it starts to add, you know, start to pick up towards the end. Maybe if, it, if it's even eight games in the month of October, then you could significantly reduce those back-to-backs in four games in five nights. So it seems to make logical sense what they're meeting now, so maybe we'll have this in the new CBA. And it must have been, I don't know if you're ever part of it as a player, but I remember early this preseason, Philadelphia-Washington double overtime <laughs> Like <laughs> next bucket wins. <laughs> as a player, you must sit back and be like, maybe if I just miss on purpose, and maybe if I commit trap, if I travel. No, it's because you're going. Like at that time, this guy's trying to make a living, right? I'm sure the, I'm sure the vets are like, come on, man, you, you, we don't really need to go to overtime, you know. But no, I mean, uh, I remember as a player, it was a good opportunity to play, and I, and I can understand the R.J. Hunter and the James Young. I, I get it from their perspective, but. Man, it'd be nice to you know just like move on and and really start to see. It seems like I feel like guys are coming in in better shape and they're they're dialed in right away. Teams are getting together in like right after Labor Day, so they're already together for three or four weeks before they even start training camp. Mm-hmm. So it feels like it should just move along. All right, let's talk about the team that that you've seen a lot in the last couple of years and this year, obviously in particular with with Al Horford coming to Boston. And it, it just struck me as a round peg, round hole type of fit. Yeah. You've got a team that badly needed a low post scoring presence, getting a guy that can consistently score from a lot of different places yeah. in that low post. Is that what you thought? Is that what you've seen so far? I mean, how do you see Boston you know, deploying this guy? So, like, you're exactly right. Like, from the outside in, it's, it's, it's what do you call it? Round hole and round peg, round right? Peg, yeah. Perfect fit. Yet... It's, he's even exceeded my expectations. I, it's just, and it's not going to be one of those things where, like, his numbers are going to stand out. But I feel like with just him being on the floor, Isaiah Thomas will be ten percent better, which he was already an All Star. Avery Bradley will be ten percent better. Jay Crowder will be because it's just the bottom line is he's a good decision maker. He knows how to move the ball quickly, and because he can shoot, ultimately guys are going to get wide open shots. It's just the way of the NBA now. When the Celtics go with that lineup with Al Horford at the five and Jay Crowder at the four, Isaiah Thomas seems to score 10 points in the next three minutes. So it just seems like that's a really good fit. And because of his versatility and, and his ability to guard smaller guys and rebound the ball, then you can go small. Everyone wants to go small now, but not everyone can protect the rim and rebound the ball. But with Al Horford, you can do it. I felt like this team last year was – you know. Uh, should have been a better than 50 win team. The injuries, the end of the season, Jay Crowder, all that caused them to, to drop off a little bit towards the end. So they're better with Horford. My question for you, though, is how big a body blow is it to lose an Evan Turner because of what he did uh, for this team last year? Because I, I feel like being around this team, all the excitement about Horford is great, but I, I feel like there's a little bit of an underestimation about the loss of Turner and what, what that means for them. Well, there's no question what Evan Turner did was huge, right? In the fourth quarter, they gave him the ball – a lot of times he would be attacking like the third best defender and, and, and he would, I mean, the times he hit Tyler Zeller for cuts and hit fine open guys, like he's really good at that. And, and uh, they're going to miss that. But it's one of those things where if Avery Bradley's a better decision maker, you can run some stuff for him. Same thing with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, Terry Rozier has improved. So you're not going to replace, like it's not going to be one guy coming off the bench and all of a sudden that replaces Evan Turner. But 
you put the ball in five or six different people's hands and they, over the course of the season, become more aggressive. Maybe by the end, I, or let's just say even by March, you can make up for that of what Evan Turner brought because, you know, I think he's going to be fantastic in Portland because anytime you take, a, you know, the third best defender you, and you, you space out a guy like Damian Lillard, Evan Turner is going to be a guy that's going to find guys and get get open shots and that's important in the league this is you know the guys you mentioned that that can sort of fill those gaps there where, where Evan was young guys th- this is a big year for Boston in terms of player development I think yeah I mean there's you know Marcus Smart is 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 a very good young player but he needs to make the jump to being a better than that Terry Rozier uh, good rebounder good defender can he make the jump to get better than that? I, I look at it at, at the difference between Boston being a conference finalist this year and maybe a first or second round and out type of team, is that player development? Can they develop these young guys so that they're in a position come March to be those types of contributing players? Yeah, that's, that's, a, real, that's a real question. And, uh, you know, so far, like you said, it's a preseason. Like, what is – it's hard to really judge, right? Because it's not really even one game. It's like looking over the course of 10 games and seeing, is this something you can consistently go to? We bring up Evan Turner. You can consistently go to a pick and roll with Evan Turner in the fourth quarter, and you yep. know what you're going to get from him, right? And when you're talking about Rogier or Smart, are we getting to the point where, all right, listen, you guys, we need you to make plays in the second quarter and the start of the fourth so we can get Isaiah Thomas back in the game or Avery Bradley back in the game or Al Horford back in the game. I will say this. I think with the addition of Al Horford, everyone else becomes better, where I think there was a total need for Evan Turner to do that. I don't think this team plays the same way. I don't think they'll rely on one guy to really do that. And Evan Turner was great at that. So I think that Al Horford makes enough people around him better that you won't have to replace that. What do you make of of Jalen Brown? Because when, when I watch him play, I see a guy with a terrific first step, uh, incredible athlete, but he was a strange guy before the draft, a polarizing guy when you talk to other executives yeah. around the league. It was like, he's smart, but does he think too much on the court? Yeah. Um, he he's, was kind of reclusive, some teams told me, when, when he was in college. There just wasn't this this unbridled enthusiasm about this guy like there maybe was the first two picks in the draft with uh, with Simmons and with Ingram well the like yeah everyone like all all the attention was on Simmons right like what, what's wrong with this guy he doesn't make his team go to the playoffs but if you talk to any executive they're like no no this guy's the best he's the, he's the real deal right the uh all the research out there on Jalen Brown was all over the board no this guy could be really good he's an elite athlete you know, he can run the floor. Also, you hear like, oh, man, he might be one of those guys that's like too smart for his own good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like the, the board, it was just so messed up. But here's what he is. He's an elite transition player, not for a rookie, for an NBA player. He's elite. Now, obviously, like there's LeBron James and Iguodala. And there's like there's a group of people that are better than him. I understand that. But he's already in that upper echelon on the break. Just watch him when he explodes to the rim. Even when to take off and – how to read, you know, maybe a crossover in the open court. Maybe it's just a straight attack to the basket. He's really good at that. Great first step. Obviously, that first step will improve as his jumper improves. So you see him, right? You know, someone asked me the other day, who is Jalen Brown? And I've been, like, searching far and wide. Like, I can't think of a player from the past or now. And I don't want to throw out, like, some crazy superstar name, right? I'm trying to figure out, like, a who is he right now? And I, and I, I can't seem to come up with one. No, he's he's 
somewhat enigmatic at the moment. Maybe it's yeah. it's as you move forward, you get a clear idea. But I but I will say this is the perfect team for him. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't have to do. If you put him in a situation where you're like, here's the ball, do something else. I don't know if his year would be as productive as we will see his year. Go think back, Kawhi Leonard. When he was with San Antonio at first, he was like a super role player, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's become one of the better players in the NBA. I think Jalen Brown would not be, would not have to be like some superstar, you know, in his first four years. He could just continue to develop as another piece of, of what this team is all about. Well, they need him to be an eighth man, basically, right off the bat. I mean, you've got your rotation, barring injury, pretty well set. I agree with you. If he can just be that that consistent 15 to 20 minute kind of rotation player, which is still asking a lot for a rookie. I mean, you. It, and these guys aren't uh, they're all, aren't always ready to play right away. I think they can be okay. Well, all right. Well, Boston's fine. They're a two three seed in the East. They're there's nothing but positivity with the. Well, with I the do want to ask this to you because okay. I I watch Toronto and I can't get a beat on it. I don't know if they're be- Boston's better than Toronto or not. I can't tell. I watch Toronto. They execute, but you know they're not that exciting to no. watch. So I don't know. I-, I wonder, you know, Kyle Lowry entering a contract year. DeRozan just got his money. I don't think losing Biombo is is that big a deal for this team. I mean, Biombo is like the it reminds me of like when Jerome James got his big contract with the Knicks. Like you had this this one week or two week kind of stretch where you played a little bit out of your mind like Biombo did in the first round uh of the playoffs and you get all this money. I don't think they miss him all that much. They get Sullinger up there and that's that's fine for what they're doing, but you know, did they did they hit a ceiling in some ways with what they did last year? I mean, they're still extremely well coached. They're still uh you know, you've got two guards that are among the two best in the NBA. If you can get quality perimeter shooting from their role players, I guess they could still be hovering around that that fifty to fifty-five kind of win range. But that's kind of where I have Boston pegged right yeah, now. That same. same. So I think there. I do think though that that Boston, Toronto. After that, I think there's a drop off. After yeah. that, I, I don't. I don't buy anybody else like I buy Boston and Toronto at that that fifty to fifty-five win range. You yeah. know, the Knicks or, or uh, Pacers or Atlanta Hawks. There's question. There's too many question marks about everybody else after the three spot. Yeah, I mean, it's Cleveland, then Boston, yep. Toronto, and then, like, coin flip, right? Like, like is, is Washington going to be good? They should be good, right? Why are they not good? Now they got Scott Brooks, they should be good. So I'm with you on that one. I think it's that's one, two, three, and I don't know how the two, three is going to match up. And then after that, it's just, you know, look, Indiana, they're playing at an incredible pace this year. Is that, is that going to play out? I have no idea the rest of the East. And that's what Larry Bird wants to do. I mean, he wants these guys to go up and down. They, they, I give him credit. They did reinvent the roster in a way that is conducive to that style. They got rid of all the bigs. They, they're going to go fast. I, I kind of like the Thaddeus Young deal because for the 20th overall pick, that's a pretty good pickup for them. So, so they could be okay. They could yeah. be okay there. All right, but the team you didn't mention and, and the team I'm fascinated by, even as we speak, who most recently made a deal, is uh, Chicago. And... I honestly don't know what they're doing. I, I, I honest to God, I I see them assembling stars. I see them having a relevant team. But when you have four or five guys in your starting lineup who are non-threats from beyond the three-point line, in today's NBA scale, I, I don't know how you, you can do that. I don't yeah. know how it works. You know, it's, it's funny. You want to find overachieving teams, you look for teams that can shoot. You want to find underachieving teams, you look for teams that can't shoot, right? But... You know, like, I, I was hard on Dwayne Wade. Like, everyone loves to say, oh, he's so good. But he made seven three-pointers last season. Well, I think in the preseason at this point, he made eight. So he's shooting the ball better. Now, what's going to happen? Is it because it's preseason? Is, is Dwayne Wade going to make, you know, 200 threes this year? Yeah. Over, and he made seven last year? So I don't really know. 
You know, I know Rondo also shot the ball better than in in the past. Well, statistically, Rondo is, I think, their best three point exactly. shooter right now. Which okay. and so and I just and when you want guys like so, Rondo needs space to work. You got Dwayne Wade needs space to work. Butler needs space to work. I don't even know if Carter Williams is going to be in the rotation. They need guy. They need space, and it seems like they just don't have it unless Miritic and McDermott are good enough. And, and they're going to play, you know, majority of the minutes. Where's the space? Where's the shooting going to come from? I tell you what wouldn't surprise me is if they get 20 games through the season and all the things that people are talking about come to fruition, the lack of shooting, killing them, teams just bottling up the paint, forcing Rondo to be a consistent three-point shooter. It wouldn't surprise me to see them at least ask Dwayne Wade if he'll go to the bench. Honestly, because if you can, I mean, you might sense. have to put Doug McDermott in that game just yeah. to give you a threat from the outside. If Miritich is not enough, you might have to do it. You and have, if he says no, then you you kind of reap what you sow there. That's Chicago. What I like say. you put this team together. Okay, at what point do they just like, all right, this isn't going to work. We should trade Jimmy Butler, our only well, asset. They toyed with that idea last year of, of trading Butler, but do you really trade your mid twenties franchise player who? has a big contract, but in today's day and age, Nothing. it's a manageable contract. Yeah. I just don't know how you do it. I, I just don't – a lot of teams, you see what they're doing. Even Philadelphia, when they were self-imploding there and, and, and bottoming out and losing on purpose and tanking, you, you could see a strategy there. Chicago, I look at them, and, and maybe they're at best a 500 team, but I also don't see a team with a lot of depth of young talent on the roster. That's yeah. what – if you're – you know doing what, say, Utah did. I love what Utah did this offseason. They got a bunch of veterans yeah. to supplement their young players. Who yeah. are their starters? Yeah. You know, you're you're going to you know, put Joe Johnson around these guys and some of these other players they picked up around these younger players. Chicago's assembled this aging roster, and, and they're not misfits per se because they're good players, but where's the end game here? Like, yeah. These guys are, gonna, are, are mercenaries in some way. Rondo's yeah. basically a one-year contract. I mean, they're they're... They're they're not they're not building something that I see I can see two three years down the road as being successful. Yeah, like if Dwayne Wade went to Milwaukee, you would say, all right, we got young talent, yep. and then we got Dwayne Wade to be you know this mentor leader. I've won a championship. This is how you do it, right? But almost like Chicago's best players are the the veteran guys, and and then what does Dwayne Wade do to Jimmy Butler? Listen, I'm like you, Chris. I'm scratching my head. I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, I don't know if this is a ploy to say. You know, like, well, we're trying to uh, give the you know Fred Hoiberg the best team he possibly can. I have no idea what they're doing, and it really sort of started last season. Everything was, you know, it was Thibodeau's fault, Thibodeau's fault, and then they realized, man, maybe the players start saying, well, maybe it wasn't Thibodeau's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's maybe Thibodeau was a really good coach, and they, we should have kept him. I, you know, it seems like a mess, but I do believe that Chicago will identify what their identity is going to be sometime this season. And they'll say like, and more than likely it's going to be, you know, maybe a trade or, you know, let's blow this thing up and let's see what we can do. Now with, you know, playing style aside, one question people have about Chicago are the three personalities, the big personalities in that locker room. Dwayne Wade, who has been the face of one franchise for years, multiple championships. You know Rondo, what kind of personality he has, the alpha male type of personality. You've also got Jimmy Butler who's saying, this is, this is my team. You, know, yeah. every, you guys are yeah. coming to me. Is that a, a legitimate point of concern? If you lose. <laughs> I mean, isn't that well, the yeah, answer, right? Is, yeah. If you're like... So if you're ten and twelve, mm-hmm. if you're you know if you're twelve and eighteen or something like that, then yeah, that's a big concern. If you're eighteen and twelve, you're probably good. If you're fourteen and ten, you're probably good. But if you start losing, 
it's I, I mean it's a big market and so obviously it, like it drives news because it's Chicago you know and and the, the way it all went down the year before with Tibbs and the Derrick Rose thing it's like there's a lot of like clouds hanging around that so yeah if it if it doesn't go well, I think the personalities are going to become an issue. It kind of amazes me that that we're at this point with Rondo in, to some degree, just because, I mean, he was the assist leader last year. Yeah. Like, statistically, I know. he had a good season, but Chicago was really the only game in town for him at this point, and that contract was the only one that, that anyone was was really going to offer him. It's, I mean, we were sitting here in Boston a couple of years ago, and Rondo's talking about a max contract. Yeah. And now we're, we're where are we with this guy? Yeah. Well, you know, I think... With Rajan, it has to be. I, I it would be interesting, and I know like Dan Tony doesn't want to touch him, mm-hmm. but it would be interesting to see him if you put a team around him with a bunch of shooting, a big who can roll to the basket, and you like put the ball in his hands. Now, can he do that anymore? Can he carry the load like he was in two thousand nine? He could do it. In two thousand ten, he could do it. In two thousand eleven, he could do it. But I did, I don't know if you can carry the load. You know. 40, 50, 80 pick and rolls a day like they ran Steve Nash back in the day. I mean, that's not an easy way to play, but having shooting around, I think, makes Rondo, I think it makes him great. Having no shooting around, it's, it's, it's really going to be detrimental to him. Do you think physically there's something a little le- like the injury, the knee, the problems he's had have taken something away from him? Yeah, I mean, any, anytime you're at a, you're a point guard and you've had that many miles, you're going to, you know, you mm-hmm. drop off a little bit. I, I don't think like, his mind is gone. I don't think he can't like identify how to hit a guy for an angle or you know, I I just think that for his game, you gotta run a ton of pick and rolls for him and you gotta give him like like this crazy neon green light and you also gotta push him to play at like a fast pace. It's not an easy thing to do. And I you know, like at his age he's also gotta defend, you know, sixty to eighty pick and rolls too. It's not just a one way street. And that's the that's why these point guards are, are if you watch them, they're so special because Fine, one end of the floor, but you also remember the other team is running the same stuff, and it's not easy fighting through screens. And you know, at thirty, what is Rondo now? I think he's thirty over or, thirty. Yeah, yeah, it's not not going to be an easy thing for him to do. So it'll be interesting. I, listen, their team, they say we want to get young, we want to get athletic. I don't know if they got young and athletic. No, they got the opposite. At, <laughs> it seems that way at this point. I, just, I mean, let being being looking chronologically at what they got, yeah. they got a little bit older, and I don't think they're built to play fast. And they're going to need a confluence of events to come together that, that you really can't. But forecast. you know, like there are media people that are high on that team. I, I don't know how. I, I, I am with you, Chris, and I and I think the same thing like, with the Knicks, right? Like I, like I, you pointed out, you pointed out Dwayne Wade's uh, preseason shooting, and and look, I, yeah. I think that's that's a that's something worth noting. But you're also talking about a guy in his mid 30s with myriad knee injuries. Oh yeah, that's going to be worn down physically over the course of a season, going to need to be managed like he was in Miami. I think all that plays into you know a, a lower three-point shooting percentage as the season progresses. So he might start off shooting the lights out, but I think once you get December, January, dog days, it's it's who he is. No, and he's been a great player being who he is. Yeah, and that's funny because I think he went last year like a month and a half without hitting the three. Yeah. It was like over 21 or something like that. And it was right around that January, you know, February time. So, you know, like – Hey, you always want to say like give the, give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Like, wow, he's really changed his game. He's made, but I I agree with you. Injuries come into play. Like, how healthy are you going to be? It's gonna. It looks like it's going to be a mess from my perspective. But you know, like people who know the game have, have written that these guys are going to be, you know, like a fifth seed. I mean, it's it is it is crazy. They still have Dwayne Wade rated you know top fifteen player in the NBA. I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> I know I, still, Chris, still, you're telling me. I'm telling you. That's what people have him rated. Still a very good player at this stage, and give him credit for for getting fighting through 
you know, damaging injuries to his body and, and, and being managed really well down in Miami. But something something we completely do not expect has to happen in Chicago yeah. to, to have that team have a successful that's season. Exactly, that's the best way to put it, yeah. right? It's something that it, it's like it'll be mind, mind-boggling. How are they doing this? Yeah. And it, it, it could happen. It's like crazy lightning in a bottle. It does happen. It happened with Atlanta a couple of years ago when they won 60-something games, right? Like there is lightning in a bottle and maybe something like that, but I'm not seeing it. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. It's the MMQB Podcast with Peter King. What was it about building teams that kind of now got you really interested in it? Well, I mean, I think as a competitor, you never lose that. You never lose being a competitor. I mean, that's built in. And I don't care what line of business you're in. To me, if you're a competitor and you like to compete, you're going to be successful. For the rest of this conversation with John Elway, please search the MMQB Podcast with Peter King to listen and subscribe to new and archived episodes found on the mmqb.com, iTunes, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Sit tight for just a second, Scal. I got to tell my listeners about Uber. We've all taken extra jobs to earn extra cash. Back in the day, I don't even remember how many driveways I shoveled in some of those brutal Boston winters. I've got a better way, though, that you can earn extra money on the side. It's so much easier today, thanks to Uber. Uber's the ultimate side hustle. Driving with Uber is a new way you can earn extra cash whenever you want. It's not just another J-O-B. It's a totally flexible way to earn. You can turn it on and off just like your car. If you have a few spare hours here and there, drive with Uber. Have you ever wanted to be your own boss? Drive with Uber and you are your own boss. If you're driving right now, you should be earning right now. I do it. Every day is payday when you drive with Uber because you can cash out anytime with instant pay. With access to instant pay, Cash out your earnings up to five times a day with no minimum amount required. Listen, if you enjoy earning extra cash, if there's something special you'd like to buy, your car can start making you money. So go ahead, get your side hustle on. Sign up to drive with Uber today. Go to uber.com slash drive now. That's uber.com slash drive now. U-B-E-R dot com slash drive now. Uh, a guy you mentioned a couple of times there, Tom Thibodeau, has a new job. Minnesota uh, coach and GM, you know, hoop elfief out there in uh, in Minnesota. And and like everybody else, I loved that decision. I love that Minnesota, which usually operates under Glenn Taylor at this glacial pace of, of making decisions, jumped on the opportunity to sign a Tom Thibodeau, put the money up, and Tibbs is going there. You know, we talked about Horford and Boston being the right fit for the right situation. How do you see Tibbs with that group of emerging young players, headlined, of course, by by Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, so I think that it's going to be a big time learning process, but I think that process is going to take, you know, maybe like a month and a half. Like everyone anointed Minnesota as being unbelievable. They won like twenty seven games or mm-hmm. something like that. So how good could they have really been last year? You know, so it's and Tom keeps saying, "Listen, we weren't even a playoff team last year, but because Tom went to Chicago when they were eighth seed and made them the best team in the NBA. I mean, not the best team, but the best record in the NBA. He thinks that that's going to be like the same thing in Minnesota. There is a big difference. Derrick Rose is the perfect point guard. You know, the old Derrick Rose was perfect point guard for Tom, high pick and roll player who could score out of it. So I'm looking at Dunn. I'm looking at Rubio." And I'm wondering, like, where is it going to come from? But because Zach Levine's from Seattle and I watched this kid play in high school and grow up and, and not, not like 
I've, I've seen him play like four or five times when as a young player. Right. Like he's going to be the guy that takes these huge jumps this year. He's going to be the guy that they give the ball to because he's really good in the high pick and roll. He can shoot out of it if you go underneath him. And that's what Tom wants. And that's the other night, John Lucas had like 27 points because, you know, if you go underneath him, he's going to shoot it. You go over the top, he's going to get to the lane. It's just like that's just how he's going to play. So if Zach Levine has a really unbelievable year, then I think that they'll go – they'll probably make the playoffs. Now, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be unbelievable. I think Wiggins is going to be really good as well. But I think those two guys can be really good and them not make the playoffs unless Zach Levine seems like the guy that can take that next step and and Ricky Rubio feels, figures out a way – to be effective on the offensive end. Clearly, he's an unbelievable passer, and he's a, a very underrated defender. But I think it's going to come down to really Zach Levine having like you know 18 points a game, like somewhere around there. That, they, they were not good last year. Um, part of that, I'm sure, had to do with, with flip passing and the timing of it, and you're handing the reins off to Sam Mitchell. And I don't think anyone was convinced throughout the season that Sam was going to be the guy uh, out there. You had a, a weird mix of, of veterans. You had veterans there, like take Kevin Garnett, for example, and, and you know Kevin as well as anybody. Um, I, I think Kevin is less effective as a leader when he can't play, and if that makes any sense. Like yeah, if he's, I, I would say. I, mean, I, I don't know that from everything I heard about that situation, they respected Kevin Garnett like nobody else, but it's different than it would have been here when you know Perkins is learning under Kevin Garnett and then watching him be the best defensive player in basketball. I think it's a little bit harder for younger players to to really benefit from the greatness of a KG uh, when he's only able to play 15 games or whatever it is at that point. Well, I mean, there is some benefit to it. It's not all lost. You know no, what I mean? No, like just not, maybe not the same as, I guess. Oh, well, I there's yeah. no question. It's, for 100%, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, just his presence of wherever he went. But there, you know, I, I, we did one of their games, and, and so I, I'm watching KG on the bench, and I'm watching Carl Anthony Towns, and Towns is going to work, and KG is fired up yep. about it. So it's like, it, at at the least, if he takes Carl Anthony Towns under his wing for that one year, like Towns is getting a big benefit from that. So it's it to me, you know, I I it's it's great that he got. I th- I I think that veterans. I like what Flip did, you know, Tayshawn Prince, those type of guys. I think that was good for a certain amount of time. And then now, you know, Thibodeau's like – and he has a strong – Thibodeau has a strong personality. Mm-hmm. He is has a big enough personality where he could be the leader of a team. It's just the way that he runs it. So I, I think they got what they needed from Garnett. I wish he would have stayed because, you know, like you never want to see your, your guys go away or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or be a part of the organization one way or another. But it didn't work out that way. And – uh but I, I do think they they definitely made made strides last year because of Kevin. Tibbs is is an excellent coach, one of the best in the NBA. But there's there's one team that he's coached, and and that team when he took over was young but built to win. You know they'd been what a playoff team a couple of years under Vinny before uh, Tibbs took over. This is a team that's going to be even a longer process. They're probably not going to be a playoff team necessarily right away. Maybe they can stay in the mix through through March. How do you think, as someone that that played for Tibbs in a couple of different situations, how does he handle a, a younger team and one in need of a little bit more work than the last one he took over? I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna make the playoffs. You do, yeah. West is still a couple teams left to fall out. I mean, Utah, I think is gonna get okay, in. Okay, so after Utah, so after Golden State, San Antonio, Clippers, Oklahoma City, Utah, 
now we're going like so you're 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 high on Houston. I'm high on Houston. Uh, I, to make the playoffs, I don't. I think you got to stop a few more people defensively. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't, nobody, right? Okay. Yeah, the James Harden I'm experiment. Trying to, I'm trying. Yeah. So, so are we high on Dallas? Like, which ones? Where are uh, we? I'm high on Rick Carlisle in okay, Dallas. Okay, what about Memphis? Are we high on Memphis. Memphis. The, Chandler Parsons being there, I, I think they're a little more competitive than Minnesota right away. I mean, Gasol, okay. if he's healthy and there was a report he bruised. So now there's one more position, and I think there's going to be three teams, right? Mm-hmm. So Minnesota is going to be one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, are we high on Denver? I'm not. No. Okay. No. Are we high on Phoenix? No. Not this year, no. Are we high on the Lakers? Are we high on the Kings? We're, oh, yeah. Portland. We got uh, Portland, that's another Portland. one. Portland. Yeah. So – I feel like they can be knocking on the door. You know, like, you never know what's going to happen with the, some of those teams. I, I, I get it. Like, there's some, there some good teams out west. But Tom is such an organized coach, and he emphasizes exactly what he needs to emphasize to get going into a game. He doesn't – anybody, like, Chris, I can, you can, we can all go out there and tell these guys all the things we want them to do based on watching film. What it re- what's the, the thing that Tom does better than any coach I've ever had is he decides, no, no, all that stuff doesn't matter. These two things really matter today. We need to do these two things. And you have your standards of every day, and you're like, these things, if we could stop their dribble penetration to the middle of the key, then we're going to win this game. So your players are full on, all right, we're not going to allow dribble penetration to the middle of the key today if we do that. And they believe – if we follow this instruction, don't give up these two things, we're going to win. They'll have a chance. But I still think it comes down to, you know, as good as Towns is, you still got to have a guy who can score from the high pick and roll. And I think – I wish Rubio was better at it. I wish Dunn was better at it. But it's, it seems like it's going to be Zach Levine to me. I'm riding the Utah bandwagon pretty good right now. Are you? They're, they're you know like, what? I hear the media people are up and down on oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it was devastating to them last year to not have Dante Exum, not because of what Dante Exum was at that time, but another year of progression with him so you can get to this year. I wonder how long it's going to take Exum to get kind of all the way back. You know, knee injuries. Yeah. yeah. The first year, it might take you a little bit more into the season before you start becoming usually the, the player that, that maybe you were. But I remember him at Summer League, at the Utah Summer League, where Boston was there as well. And I remember him looking like a different player than he was at a rookie, a guy that was confident with the three-point shot, more aggressive than he was at any point in time okay. last year. I think him coming back and, and reclaiming his role with that team, plus those veterans that they got in the yeah. offseason, it was the, the perfect offseason, I thought, for Utah in, in what they needed and what they got. Now, you don't think that jump is too big of a jump? I mean, I don't consider them a championship contender right now, but could they win a first-round series against, and knock somebody off? Yeah, I, I think so they could. So you think uh, when, when first round opens up on Saturday or Sunday, Utah is opening up at home? So no, top- no, not at home. But okay. you know, you, you're looking at the teams at the top that are still you know, way too strong, the, the Golden State, San Antonio, okay. Clippers. Okay, all right, so we're, we're, we're on the same boat. But I, could a they- lot of people, listen, when you go win total, fourth best team in the NBA, win total-wise. That's what like the – Vegas line has them at fourth best win total. That's yeah. that would be too high for me. That's what I said. Yeah, I go, that's a little bit high. It was, you know, like Cleveland, San Antonio, Golden State, and then it was like Utah, like 55 and a half, 56. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to make the jump from out of the playoffs to winning 56 games? But no, I'm with you, and and I'm not putting it past them that they can actually win a first round series, but they are going to have to open up on the yeah, road. Yeah, I think they could surprise, uh, they could surprise one of those top. 
you know four or five teams yeah. in the uh, in the Western Conference there. But I'm I'm just when a team gets exactly what I thought they needed in yeah. the offseason, just those veterans that could play, it kind of goes into what I was saying about about KG not being able to play in Minnesota and, and give them something on the floor. Utah didn't have that at all last year. They didn't have estab- or many established veterans that could play. You get Exum back. Um, you move some guys into the bench in the rotation. I mean, I, yeah, I, like, I, I like, love that. And you, what you have is versatility. George Hill, like you're fine playing him at one or two. It's not just... Exum or Hill, you could de- definitely play Exum and Hill together. Mm-hmm. So you have that. You have Joe Johnson. He can play the four. It's it, you can go Cantor, Favors, Cantor, Johnson. So when you have ver- versatility, it does make it a lot easier to match up against other people. I just I keep going back to saying like, how do you go from out of the playoffs to fifty-seven wins? I just think so go Bear, keeps... right? Not Cantor there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go, yeah, bear. go Bear. Go Bear yeah. and yeah. Favors. Go bear. go bear and Favors. I keep going Cantor Who's... because. Yeah, that, that but, one didn't work out. Those two oh, guys no. playing together. No defense on that uh, one. No, but Gobert and, and you know, you have and, and, and Gobert's a monster. He's yeah. a monster down there and he's great. And he, and he was uh he was fantastic in uh you know last season and anytime he got a chance to play and, he, and it's just I just think it's a huge jump to take. Plus, you watch their style of play, they shot a ton of shots, you know, with four seconds left. They led the NBA in shots made under four seconds on the shot mm-hmm. clock. It's not necessarily a good stat. Mm-hmm. So the the one team it seems like we disagree on, Houston. You're riding. You're you're high no, on like Houston. Getting eight, eight, seven a seed. And the way they play doesn't bother you. The I think D'Antoni is like you know like he doesn't get the credit he deserves for his offense. Oh, he's an offensive genius. Yeah. I, I just felt like last year they didn't stop anybody, and I thought yeah. going into this off season. That would be a, uh, a a commitment of theirs. That's why when they were interviewing Stephen Silas and, and and the coaches that were going to be on his staff, it, it made some sense to me with what they were trying to do. Like D'Antoni, I think is a brilliant offensive mind as well, but I don't know if that addressed the fundamental problem out there, which is eventually you have to stop some people. Now, if you're just saying eight seed and get waxed by Golden State in the first yeah. round, okay, let, <laughs> then <laughs> then there we go. Then okay, I can I can I can get on okay. board with that. But I think it's a, like I think it's a heck of an accomplishment to get to go to the playoffs in the West. Yes, but. Like, no, I'm not saying they're going to win. Listen, I'm as anti-Houston as they come. Well, they did lose my favorite player, Dwight Howard. So as far as uh, – I don't – you know, like, listen, D'Antoni is going to put James, get the, gonna put the ball in James Harden. He's phenomenal at the pick and roll. He's an underrated passer. He finds guys all the time. They're going to get wide open shots. Ultimately, that will eventually beat teams, but you'll, you're going to lose in the playoffs when you finally go. But in the regular season, man – Preparing for what you're about to face and all the movement and all that stuff, which is a little different now because, what, there's 17 teams that run the same stuff that they do, and mm-hmm. he sort of started. When it was Phoenix, and you're going there like, what, what is this? That was a little bit different than it is now, right? But James Harden is still a special talent. Yeah, Yes, he doesn't play any defense. No, they probably won't play very much defense, but – he, he's a special talent. No, he's a sneaky MVP candidate, frankly. If they can get enough wins to yeah, make themselves eight, relevant. But an eighth seed, right? It, it's tough That's to the, vote a guy listen, there. But his number's going to be off the charts. Yeah, doing Playing have, like yeah. point sh- shooting guard, whatever he's playing in Mike Tantoni's <laughs> system, it is going to be like he could, because you're right, he is an underrated passer. People don't give yeah. him enough credit for that. His numbers could be like 28 and 7.5, and 8 if he, uh, if, if things break Let right. me lay, let's all lay the scenario out. You have the vote, right? You have LeBron playing 65 games. You have voter fatigue on Steph Curry, right? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe Kawhi Leonard has a good a good year. The Houston Rockets, the eighth seed. Uh, OKC, the fifth seed. 
I mean, where's the MVP going to go? I have. I, it, I think Russell Westbrook would be if Oklahoma City's in that four five seed and Russell plays seventy five games and plays like I think he's going to play out there. It, it's going to be hard not to vote for him. Gotcha. And plus, you mentioned voter fatigue with LeBron. There might be people more inclined to vote for Russell Westbrook because of the off season he had. You know, he yeah. decides to stay in Oklahoma City. Yeah. He re ups, and every time Durant says something, and it's not Durant's fault. People take his words. And oh yeah, twist them yeah, and, and for sure. Them. It's not him. But every time Durant says something that presented to Westbrook, he's like, "Cool, whatever. I'm going to do me." Yeah. And I, I think there'll be. Uh, a desire, and maybe it's subconscious on the voters' part, if he averages, if he's the scoring champion and he averages six, seven assists, whatever it is, has those the type of season I mentioned there, to vote for a guy like Russell Westbrook. Yeah, so I think, I, well, we'll have to go back and look because I, I'm i pretty sure that the MVP has only gone to like a top three record in yep. the NBA, which I think this could be an anomaly of a year. And I think it all has to do with Kevin Durant going to Golden State, really, because, you know, like – if if the Warriors won sixty seven games and Steph averaged thirty again, and maybe and maybe he doesn't want to average thirty anymore. Maybe that was you know like everyone acts like oh they shouldn't have done it. Well, if Draymond Green doesn't get suspended, they probably still can win. You think they're thinking to themselves like oh we shouldn't have tried to win seventy three games? Yeah, it's only after the fact that we lost and maybe we shouldn't have you know. But it, it is going to be interesting. I think the MVP race is going to be the most compelling race. Yeah, and LeBron. I mean, if, if he he'll take his breaks this year, he'll he'll manage his body this year. I, I'm still waiting for, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm still waiting for when LeBron slows down. Like when eventually, I mean, he's built like a freak. He's he's yeah. a genetic freak out there with what he can do. But doesn't it have to happen at some point? Yeah, doesn't but, there have to be a, a, a regression to just because you're? I mean, he's the oldest what, 31-year-old out there because of the games he's played, 199 postseason games, consecutive postseason games. We give him grief for, not grief, but we talk about the two or three weeks he takes off in January nowadays because of various injuries, but he's consistently up there with with minutes and games. And I don't know how he does it. I really yeah. don't. I mean, it's funny because, like, uh, you see him, and he, I feel like there's times where I can start seeing the age come in. It's like, December and in the middle of, you know, like it's cold outside. He's on this terrible road trip. And you're like, oh man, LeBron doesn't look good. He takes five games off. He comes back and he's just an animal, right? He's like 36, 17 and eight. And you're like, what happened? You know? So I, and I don't think when he gets hurt and he takes that time off, I don't think it's cause he's hurt. I think he's like, you know, like, I don't think there's any athlete out there that knows his body more than LeBron does. Mm-hmm. And he understands like, all right, this is what I have to do. And it's all about the long term and, We'll say it's my back hurts or whatever like that because like if his back really hurt, would he come back and be just like thirty six, seventeen, and eight? You know, mm-hmm. like when my back hurts, I can't even walk. You know, how are you doing that? And then you're at the national championship game the next night, you're just dominating. So I think it's like more for for him. It's just a matter of once he starts to feel that maybe other athletes push through it. Right now, he's like, all right, I need to get away and step away, and everything. Everyone's fine with that because mm-hmm. of how dominant he has been in the postseason. Well, Scott, I know you have another big preseason game to prepare for oh my gosh. Uh, on Wednesday night. We appreciate you staying late here to uh, help me out with this. You got it, Chris. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Brian Scalabrini for joining the show. A reminder, you can download this podcast and other archive podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, really anywhere you download podcasts. If you like it, post a comment, give us a rating. You know I appreciate it. While you're there, check out the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick and the Vertical Podcast with Woj. And I'll see you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like, choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 you know what i'm saying like it could have been like easier and a lot of people have asked me like how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple and what else was it gonna like that's what the song wanted thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline 